So today we're concluding our message series, which was called Jesus Offers Hope. And we've been looking at Jesus' encounters in the gospel with, with various people who were in difficult or hopeless situations. Now many people today are, are struggling with anxiety and worry. I read recently that one in five adults in the United States has been diagnosed with a, some type of anxiety disorder. That's 20% of the people. What are people anxious about? Well, they're anxious. They're, they're worried about the future. Rather than having hope for the future that something good is going to happen, they're anxious, they're worried, or, or even depressed about the future. And so we need the hope of Jesus. Jesus offers hope that will help us overcome anxiety, worry, and depression. And today we're going to talk about when all else fails from Luke chapter 8. In the last message of the series, we looked at Jesus healing a man who was possessed by thousands of demons. The man was being tormented. He was completely hopeless, and Jesus delivered him and, and set him free. Now let's think for a minute about the downward spiral of hopelessness, what it does in people's lives. Losing hope begins with worry. Worrying about tomorrow. Worrying about what might happen. Now, worry is a sin that Christians joke about, right? It's not like you say, I'm worried about that. that nobody goes, oh, he's worried. They say, yeah, 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 I worry about this too. So worry is kind of a sin Christians joke about. But it's a trap of the enemy to render you ineffective in life and can lead to a downward spiral. In fact, Jesus himself in Matthew 6.31, and this is just one place in the Bible, there's multiple places that say this, he gave a command. He said, therefore, do not be anxious. Other translations say, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And so Jesus is telling us, don't worry about not having your needs met what a lot of people worry about, needs of one kind or another. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. And if we don't obey Jesus' command here, it's like not obeying any of his commands, uh, we sin. We sin by worrying because when we worry, we're not trusting God. An unrepented sin gives Satan a stronghold in our lives. And repeated worry and anxiety leads to Anxiety disorders that we've talked about. And these anxiety disorders are highly correlated with depression. And a depressed person is not just worried that something bad may happen tomorrow. A depressed person is convinced something bad is going to happen tomorrow. And that's why they're depressed. And when depression gains a stronghold in somebody's life, they often struggle with life-controlling problems, life-controlling addictions, alcohol, drugs, sexual disorders. And the end of the road of Hopelessness can be death, either through addictions, complications with addictions, or even suicide. Why do people kill themselves? Because they feel life is hopeless. In the last 10 years, the U.S. suicide rate is up 19%. In Missouri, it is up 36% in the last 10 years. And so no matter where a person is at in this downward spiral of hopelessness, Jesus can heal. Hebrews 6, 19 and 20, I just let you know that in the middle of your bulletins is a white page that has the message outlined there in these verses, and it's also going to have a fill in the blank in a minute. Uh, you can take that out to follow along with me as well as on the screen. 
Hebrews 6 verse 19 says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner to on our behalf. So I'm not going to unpack everything that this verse refers to, but our hope is in Jesus. Jesus is in heaven now, and our hope is in him. And that hope is like an anchor for our soul. What does an anchor do for a ship that's tossed and turned by the waves? The anchor holds that ship into place. And as we have our anchor, as we have our hope in Jesus, he can keep our life anchored in him and not blown around by the wind and waves of circumstances. And so the hope that Jesus offers is a hope for this life and the next. So today we're going to look at the story of Jesus' encounters with with two people in hopeless situations. And this story takes place immediately after the story we talked about a couple Sundays ago of Jesus healing the, the, uh, freeing the man from demons. And so in these stories we see Jesus' authority over demons and today we'll see his authority over sickness and death. And so the first thing that God wants us to look at today is is to come to Jesus for healing. Luke, uh, well, let me say something before we get to the verse. But Jesus came to this earth to bring healing of every kind to us, including physical healing. Sickness is the result of the curse of sin in our world. It will not be completely eradicated until Jesus returns again. That's when all sickness will be gone. And yet Jesus showed us that the power of God's kingdom is breaking into our present age. We see healing in Jesus' ministry on this earth. We see healing in the ministry of the church. And our story begins in verse 40. It says, now when Jesus returned, he returned across the lake from where he had uh, ministered to this demon-possessed man. He came back It said the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And so crowds followed Jesus everywhere. They wanted to hear what he taught. They wanted to be physically healed of their sicknesses. And in the crowd, there were two people who needed healing, a man and a woman. And today we're going to see how their stories are intertwined in this episode. There came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come into his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So first of all, we're introduced to Jairus, a a leader in the Jewish faith, a Jewish leader. And he came seeking Jesus for help. This was probably not easy for him to do because most of the Jewish leaders did not think highly of Jesus because he was teaching things different than what they taught. But he came to Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet. In worship, and he begged Jesus to help him. He was in a difficult situation. He had only one child, a daughter, who was 12 years old, and and she was dying from some type of sickness. And obviously, the doctors had not been able to cure her. The situation was dire, and time was of the essence. And so he implored Jesus, he begged Jesus to come and heal his daughter. Many others were in the crowd were, were pressing around Jesus, also having their own needs, having their own sicknesses. Trying to get his attention. Verse 43, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had went, spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. 
So besides Jairus, the man with the 12-year-old daughter who was dying, there was a woman in the crowd that is brought to our attention here. And she was in great need. Now her condition was not life-threatening, but it was life-altering. She'd been struggling with her issue for 12 years, interestingly, just as long as Jairus' daughter had been living. Her problem started when Jairus' daughter had been born. And this particular issue, a discharge of blood, according to the Old Testament law, made her unclean. And that meant that she could no, no longer go out in public with people. Anyone who touched her or anyone who she touched would become unclean. And they would have to go through this big ritual of uh, cleansing in order to be cleansed of the uncleanness. And so not only was there this social stigma with her condition, being unclean, she had spent all the money she had on health care trying to be healed of her condition, and the doctors could do nothing. And now, she was financially destitute. Not only did she have this problem, not only was she ostracized by society for being unclean, now she had spent all her money. And here she was, in the middle of the crowd, seeking to get close to Jesus, seeking to come to Jesus for healing. Now, as human beings, we need healing in, in many areas. We often need physical healing in our body. Sometimes it's just a minor thing. It's short-lived and, and uh, it's quickly healed or cured. But other times it's major. And it may have been ongoing for a long time. Many today, as we talked about at the beginning, struggle with mental and emotional uh, healing or mental and emotional issues that need Jesus' healing touch. And God desires for each of us to come to him. To come to him for every problem that needs healing. Now, what about doctors and medicine? Well, it's not a question of Jesus or the doctors. God, by his grace, has given wisdom to doctors and to the medical field to heal many things. And Jesus works in and through doctors to bring healing to us. But Jesus can go beyond the doctors and bring healing when all else fails, as we'll see in the case of this woman. And so every Sunday at the end of the service, we have a prayer time. Uh, and it's for whatever need you might have. But today, I want to emphasize that we do pray for healing at the end of the service. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that for yourself and your family. And if you know somebody who has a, some type of health issue, some type of major health issue, invite them to come to church to receive prayer for healing. God has healed people through our prayers. Now, God can and does heal through distant prayer. You know, say, I pray for so-and-so, so they're not here. And we do pray for people like that. But as you look through all the examples in the Gospels of where Jesus healed somebody, the majority of them, Jesus was in their presence, and Jesus touched them, and they were healed. And so the healing power of God most readily works through laying on of hands and prayer, often anointing with oil. Now, will everyone without exception be healed? The answer is no. Not everybody is healed. Not everybody will be healed. There are many reasons why people may not be healed, and sometimes it takes multiple prayers over a period of time, and yet many are healed. And the more people that come in faith to be prayed for, the more we will see God heal people. God wants to heal people, and we need to Take that opportunity to invite people for prayer. 
Now let's continue with our story. So not only do we need to come to Jesus, we need to touch Jesus by faith. And so in the next few verses, we're going to concentrate now on this woman with the bleeding issue. Verse 44, she came up behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. A parallel passage in Mark chapter 5 tells us what the woman was thinking as she approached Jesus. She was thinking, if I can just get close enough to touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. And so this frail woman suffering from this condition, which undoubtedly weakened her for 12 years, not supposed to be out in public, not supposed to touch anybody, is pressing her way through this crowd. Undoubtedly, people were yelling at her, go away, you're unclean. And she wouldn't give up. She ignored all the rules about not touching others. And she reaches out to touch Jesus. Now, she shouldn't have done that either. In theory, that would have made Jesus unclean. And as her fingers touch the hem of his robe, she senses in her body that the bleeding has stopped. She has been instantly healed. And Jesus said, who is it or who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And so Jesus immediately knew, even though he was being pressed on all sides, that someone had touched him because he sensed that supernatural power had gone out from him and healed someone. And so even though many people had been touching him, the power was transmitted to one particular woman. Something was different about the touch of that woman from the others pressing in on Jesus. It says, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And so the woman came forward at Jesus question who who touched me and she gave witness how she had touched Jesus by faith believing she would be healed, and as she touched him, she had been immediately healed. And Jesus refers to her as daughter. She was now part of God's family. It was her faith in Jesus that made her well. Now, in the original Greek, the literal Greek of the verse reads, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. She had been healed, and I believe she was saved. Her, her sins had been forgiven as well. She could now go in peace. She was no longer unclean. But she had been healed. She reached out and touched Jesus by faith. And so the key to healing, first of all, we come to Jesus for healing. And secondly, we need to touch Jesus by faith. Now, Jesus is no longer physically here on this earth. So, so how do we touch him? Well, we touch Jesus by reaching out to him through prayer. That's how we communicate with him. We touch Jesus by being prayed for by other believers, especially those with the spiritual gift of healing. We touch Jesus by being anointed with oil in the name of the Lord, as James 5, James chapter 5 teaches us. Now, what kind of faith is required? It's, it's faith that we believe that Jesus is able to heal and that Jesus will heal as we reach out to touch him. And, and God gives that kind of faith as a gift to people who earnestly seek him. Sometimes the faith is in the person who is praying for the sick person, but 
We all need to be in faith and seek to build our faith. Now, how do we build our faith? Either to pray for somebody else to be healed or to be healed in our own body. The best way is to meditate on scriptures that speak about healing. To read accounts of Jesus healing people. To read accounts in the book of Acts of people being healed in the ministry of the early church. To read accounts of how we're instructed to be healed in the epistles in the book of James. And the scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And as we read these things, our faith grows that God will heal through our prayers. Finally, we need to refuse faith fear and believe. And so this woman with the healing disorder, uh, the bleeding disorder had been healed. And now we're going to turn our attention back to the story of Jairus, whose daughter was dying. Verse 49, while he, that is Jesus, was still speaking, he was speaking to this woman. Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. And so Jesus' interaction with this woman with the bleeding issue took some time. It delayed Jesus' trip to visit Jairus' daughter. And you can imagine the thoughts that were going through Jairus' mind. If only Jesus had come more quickly. Why was he dealing with this woman when my daughter is dying? And the thought of his only daughter dead filled his mind with anguish and fear. And Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And so Jesus spoke some very important words to Jairus, words that are important for us today. Do not fear, only believe. You see, fear is the opposite of faith. You can't believe and be in fear at the same time. Fear looks into the future and sees bad things. Fear looked into the future for Jairus and he saw his daughter lying in a coffin. And Jesus instructs him, do not fear, only believe, have faith. And if he does that, then Jesus is telling Jairus, your daughter will be well. Again in the Greek is, will be saved. And so Jesus travels to the house of Jairus where his daughter is lying dead. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. And so Jesus travels to the house. He takes uh, with him into the house only his three closest disciples and the parents of the girl. And they went into the room where her body lay. And so Jesus wanted the room to be filled with people full of faith. He didn't want mourners there. He didn't want doubters. He wanted people of faith to be with him. Family and friends were around the house, were mourning and wailing about her passing away. And when Jesus said she was merely sleeping, they laughed at him because they knew the girl was dead. Now, of course, Jesus knew she was dead as well. But the Bible often speaks of death for a believer as sleeping. Because death for a believer is not final. We're going to awaken to eternal life as from sleep. Verse 54, taking her by the hand, he called saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. 
And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And so Jesus, what did he do? He took her by the hand. He touched her. And he said, arise, child. He gave the command. And the scripture says that her spirit returned. At death, your spirit leaves your body. In this case, it returned. And she came back to life. And the parents were amazed. Jesus told others, told them not to tell others, lest he be totally swamped by the crowds. And so the father of the girl, Jairus, had obeyed Jesus. He had not feared, not given in to fear, not given in to worry. He had believed. He put his faith in Jesus and his healing power. And so we must be very clear. It's very important to understand that worry and fear are enemies of faith. Worry and fear will keep you from many blessings that God has in store for you, including physical healing. And some will say, well, Pastor Dan, I, I just can't stop it. I can't stop worrying. <clears throat> I can't stop being afraid. But Jesus never instructs us to do anything. He never commands us to do anything that we can't do with his help. And so he commands us this morning, as he commanded Jairus, do not fear, only believe. And this morning we're applying this specifically to the situation of physical healing. It applies to every difficult situation in life. And we could go through every difficult situation that any of us may have faced in the past or may face in the future this applies. Do not fear. Only believe. And so when you're in difficulty, make a choice not to fear, not to worry, but to believe, but to trust God. To believe in God, believe that God has all power and he is bigger than any difficult situation that you or I may face. And so today we've looked at two hopeless situations, a woman who had been uh, suffering this disorder for 12 years. There was no remedy in the natural. The doctors could do nothing. Secondly, there was a man with a 12-year-old daughter who was dying, and there was nothing the doctors could do. When all else fails, we must do three things. Come to Jesus. Don't try to solve everything on your own. Secondly, touch Jesus by faith. And we do that today through prayer. Both our own prayers and being prayed for uh, by others, praying together with others as well. And finally, refuse the temptation to fear, refuse the temptation to worry, but choose to believe in God's power. Choose to trust God. Choose to believe God loves you. And God will make a way. Build your faith to believe that God can and will heal others physically as we pray for people in the church. And I encourage you to be thinking, to be praying about people you know who are sick, who need a healing touch. Encourage them to come to church so we can pray for them. And you know what? You can pray for people outside of church too. That's okay. You can pray for people. And pray for people if somebody says they're sick. Ask them if you can pray for them. And as we do that and as we believe, we're going to see God move. And as we seek Jesus as the answer for every situation, we will see God do great things. Now, this morning, if you're not sure that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, perhaps you know about him, uh, but you're not sure that you have a relationship with him. You're not sure if you've really ever put your faith and trust in him. I want to give you an opportunity to become a believer, to become a Christian is is not difficult, but it's not just a matter of saying I'm a Christian. 
It's not just a matter of believing that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. It's not a matter of having been baptized when you were an infant. The Bible teaches there are three things we must do in order to become a believer. The first is admit that we've sinned. The Bible says everybody has sinned. We're all in the same boat, and we simply admit it. We've sinned. We've done some wrong things. Secondly, we believe that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. He took the penalty for our sins upon himself. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and we believe that. It's a historical fact. It's mentioned multiple places in ancient documents of the Scripture. And finally, we commit our lives to following Jesus as our Lord, to following his plan for our life rather than our own. So I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus this morning or recommit your life to him, I encourage you to to, uh, pray this in your mind. God knows your thoughts. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my own plan for my life rather than yours. I've done wrong things. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. And I believe he rose from the dead. I commit my life to following him and his plan for my life from this day forward. And for those of us who are believers, let's let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for these marvelous stories about Jesus' power to heal. These are things that actually happened. Jesus healed those who had no hope. And we thank you for these stories because they tell us not only what happened 2,000 years ago, they tell us what you are like, that you are a God who heals, that you are a God who has compassion, that you are a God who has great power. And we're grateful that you are still a God who desires to heal your children. God, may we come to you for healing of our physical bodies, and other things as well. May we bring others to you. Help our faith to grow, God, in understanding your power. Help our faith to grow and our desire to grow to work miracles, to see you work miracles among us. Forgive us for doubting you. Forgive us for worrying. Forgive us for being fearful. We ask that you give us opportunities to offer hope to those around us. Give us words to offer hope for forgiveness, God. To offer hope for deliverance, for hope for healing. We pray, God, that our church would more and more be known as a place where your power is working to bring healing into people's lives in every dimension. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.